الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد So first of all uh, we apologize that we missed a couple of weeks out of our schedule uh, that wasn't anything to do with myself and it wasn't anything to do with Jam'iyyat Dar al-Bir but as you know the way the permission system works is that we have to receive permissions for classes before we conduct them and the permissions were delayed in getting renewed from the Islamic Affairs Department so it took us a couple of weeks until we could start the class again so inshallah sometimes these things happen and alhamdulillah uh, we've now got all of the relevant paperwork and we can start again insha'Allah ta'ala but that does mean that we're a little bit behind now I had an idea of a solution to this problem insha'Allah and I don't know what the brothers and sisters think of it but my suggestion was that because we're so far behind where we're supposed to be perhaps we can release two videos a week this one and we'll release one more, insha'Allah ta'ala, during the week. They'll all go on the same YouTube channel and they'll be posted out to the same WhatsApp and Telegram groups that people are on right now. If you want to know where the videos, the existing videos are, they're on youtube.com forward slash Muhammad Tim. youtube.com forward slash Muhammad Tim. M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D-T-I-M. And uh, what I thought we could do is in order to help us to catch up, we can, inshallah ta'ala, release a video midweek, let people watch it in their own time. And then when we come to the class the next Saturday, we can just ask if anyone had questions or anything they didn't understand, inshallah, and we can progress like that. Because I think that that will be better because already... I'm later than the other teachers because I started like a week after them or two weeks after them. And also we missed two weeks because of the permission problem. So the issue is a little bit, we have to catch up a little bit. <coughs> so I'm going to think about the idea and let you guys know inshallah ta'ala. But we're, we're seriously considering releasing a video midweek with the tafsir of a few more pages. And then again on the Saturday, just continuing on like that inshallah until we reach we catch up inshallah. So we've reached the Mu'awwidatayn. Qul a'udhu bi rabbil falaq and qul a'udhu bi rabbil nas. And these two surahs are known as the Mu'awwidatayn. And why they're known as the Mu'awwidatayn? And you know that Arabic ending, ain means two, right? It's sometimes ani or aini means two, like dirhamani or dirhamain, two dirhams. They're known as the mu'awwidatayn because there's two of them. But what's a mu'awwida? Mu'awwida comes from the beginning of the surah, a'udhu. 
when you say قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ This word أَعُوذُ which we're going to come to which means that I seek refuge or I seek protection this word that means I seek refuge or protection it makes the surah into a mu'awwidah something that is used for protection so perhaps we could say that the best translation of the mu'awwidatayn are the two surahs that were revealed for protection or the two surahs for seeking protection the two surahs for seeking protection individually they are known as surah al-falaq and surah al-nas they also sometimes called the mu'awwidat now the mu'awwidat is just a plural it doesn't mention two it could be two three four five but generally the mu'awwidat it also means surah al-falaq and surah al-nas but some of the narrations add Qul Allahu Ahad as well. Even though Qul Allahu Ahad doesn't start with A'udhu, but there are some adhkar in which it comes together, like after salah, where you read Qul Allahu Ahad, Qul A'udhu bi Rabbil Falaq, and Qul A'udhu bi Rabbil Nas. So sometimes when they all come together, like that. How do we know whether we whether Qulhu Allahu Ahad is included or not? Generally speaking, we look at the Sunnah and we see what the Prophet used to do. If it said he read the Mu'awwidat, did he read just Al Falaq and Al Nas, or did he used to read all three? Inshallah Ta'ala, as you look at each individual action or each individual time you'll find a sunnah from the Prophet ﷺ for them. So let's first of all ask ourselves a question. Does Surah Al-Falaq and Surah Al-Nas have a cause for revelation? There is a cause for revelation which is mentioned, Ibn Kathir mentioned it, and he mentioned that there is a weakness in it. Some of the other scholars of tafsir mentioned it. And they mentioned that it was revealed, or that these two were revealed, when the Prophet ﷺ was afflicted with magic. The fact that the Prophet ﷺ was afflicted with magic is undoubted. And it's reported in the Sahihain in Bukhari and Muslim. The question is, were these two surahs revealed for that reason? Or were they just used at that time? We know they were used. We know that's what the Prophet ﷺ, what was read upon him. But it's not entirely clear whether they were revealed for that reason. Complicating matters is that the majority of the scholars of tafsir said that these two surahs are Makkiyah. They were revealed in Makkah. But the sihr that was done to the Prophet ﷺ was done in Medina. However, there is no reason why a surah can't be revealed more than once for different reasons. 
And this is something that is well known in the science of usul al-tafsir, the science of the, the, the underlying rules and regulations of tafsir, is that sometimes an ayah will be revealed for more than one reason. The ayah was revealed for so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so. So there is no harm in taking note that it's possible that the surah was revealed or these two surahs were revealed when the Prophet ﷺ was afflicted by magic. Stronger than that is they were used when the Prophet ﷺ was afflicted by magic. Perhaps the, uh, the clearest narration in this regard is the narration of Al-Bayhaqi in Al-Dala'il, Dala'il al-Nubuwa, in which Al-Bayhaqi narrates that these two were revealed because of the magic that was done to the Prophet ﷺ, in which there were 11 knots. There were 11 knots in the magic that was done to the Prophet ﷺ because it was done to kill him. So there were 11 knots, and that each ayah broke one of the knots. This is narrated by Al-Bayhaqi and others. The hadith is weak, but it's something that you can, you can take it into account. And there is no doubt whatsoever that these two surahs are from the most powerful of the surahs for Ruqya Shari'a, for Ruqya, and for breaking magic and jinn possession and the evil eye and so on. You only have to read the topic of the surah to see that that is the case. So we've already taken Surah Al-Fatiha and Surah Al-Ikhlas, which are both part of Ruqya Shari'a, part of the regular recitation that we do in order to protect and in order to seek a cure from things that afflict people. But particularly these last two because they were revealed or it is said that they were revealed for that specific reason. However, another principle we learn in tafsir is that the reason something is revealed is not the only aspect to the surah. So the, it's not the case that the only benefit of Surah Al-Falaq and Surah Al-Nas is only when you're afflicted by magic that they will remove the magic. That might be the reason it was revealed, and as we said, the hadith is weak. That might be the reason it was revealed, but the wording and the benefits are much broader, broader and much wider than just dealing with magic and afflictions from the world of the unseen. So perhaps we can take it word by word. Qul, we've already spoken about, and we've said that Qul is a command to the Prophet ﷺ and to his ummah after him. And we've said that it's a part of the surah. Qul a'udhu. What does it mean, a'udhu? We said it means to, to make iltija, al-taji'u, I ask Allah to give me refuge. Some of the scholars said, Astajiru. I ask Allah to give me safety. Others among them said, A'tasimu. I ask Allah to keep me safe, or I ask Allah to keep me protected. 
All of these are very similar in meaning and they're just different ways of expressing the same thing. You're asking Allah for refuge, for a place of safety, to be protected and to be safe. And this asking Allah for protection and safety and refuge is called isti'adha. And it is one of the most important ibadat in Islam. One of the ibadat that the Quran gave a lot of attention to, one of the acts of worship which the Quran gave a heavy importance to is asking Allah for refuge. It's a kind of dua, but it's a special kind of dua that, oh Allah, I'm asking you to give me refuge, to keep me safe and protected. And here is where we also see, first of all, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ Who am I asking refuge from? From the Lord of Al-Falaq. Now here we ask ourselves a question. Why Rabbul Falaq? Why not Rabbul Alameen? We heard in Surah Al-Fatiha. Al-Falaq, most of the scholars of Tafsir, there are lots of opinions about it, but most of the scholars of Tafsir, they said Al-Falaq is a subh It is the daybreak or the time when the day and the night become clear from one another. So some of them said it's more specific than a subh. A subh, the morning time, generally sabah, salat al-subh is fajr, the fajr time. But they said al-falaq is when the day becomes really clear, when it becomes clear that the day has come. Some of them said al-falaq is al-subh, it's the same. And al-subh is al-fajr. But some of them said it's more than that. It's when the day becomes clear, the daybreak. When the dawn becomes clear. There's another meaning to al-falaq that we need here. Uh, there's two other meanings. One is the meaning of falaq, uh, meaning khalaqa. That Allah created something. So that's one of the possible, that's something in there as well. That the Lord of the Falaq, some of them said, it's the same as saying, when you say later on, min ma khalaq. Because the word Falaq has a relationship with Khalaq. It's not just that it rhymes. It has a relationship in meaning. Because Falaq is a type of creating. It can be a type of creating or bringing something into being. So some of them said it's for this reason. Because you're asking Allah to keep you safe from the evil of what he created. So you call him as the Lord who created and distinguished things. The Lord who made things different from one another. The other meaning of al-falaq here is to distinguish to distinguish and we have in an ayah that in surah al-an'am that Allah said isbah. Allah is the one who created or made different al-isbah the, the subh the, the, the morning or the dawn 
So one thing is that the word falaq reminds you that Allah is the creator. That's one thing. But it has a meaning more specific than that. And that is that Allah is the one who shows you the difference between things, between good and evil. And another meaning here is that al-falaq, meaning the dawn. You imagine when you're in the night and you can't see anything and you feel lost and confused and you're not sure where you should go or what you should do. And then the dawn comes and the sun shines brightly and you can suddenly see. This is also a reason why you call upon Allah Rabbul Falaq. Because Allah Azza wa Jal brings you the light who takes you out min al-dhulumati ila nur from the darkness into the light. And so you call upon him Rabbul Falaq here, the Lord of the daybreak. Because the guidance of Allah Azza wa Jal comes to you like the daybreak in the middle of the night. And when the daybreak comes from the darkness of the night, you can see and you're guided. So all of these meanings are reasons why Allah Azza wa Jal here says, Qul a'udhu bi Rabbil Falaq. Because Allah is the creator, because Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who distinguishes things, good from evil, right from wrong, and makes clear to you what is good for you and what is bad for you. He makes clear to you. And also is that it reminds you like that of the light of Allah Azza wa Jal which guides you in the darkness. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ مِنْ شَرِّ مَا خَلَقِ From the evil which he created. Now here, this is a comprehensive statement. It covers every kind of evil. Such there's no evil that is possible to be outside of this. Because every single thing in this world was created by Allah Jalla Fiyula. And that's why Allah Azza wa Jal said, ذَلِكُمُ اللَّهُ رَبُّكُمْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ خَالِقُ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ That is Allah, your Lord. There is no God worthy of worship but Him, the creator of everything. So when you say, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ مِنْ شَرِّ مَا خَلَقِ You cover every kind of evil. There is nothing that can escape that. Because there is nothing that exists in this world. No person, no jinni, no shaitan, no evil that can afflict you except that Allah Azza wa Jal created it. But here we have a problem. The Prophet said in a dua, and it's authentic, that he said, Evil is not attributed to you. Evil is not attributed to you, O oh Allah. We don't say about you 
that you are the creator of evil. So how do we reconcile between these two things? How do we reconcile that we don't say that Allah is the creator of evil, but Allah said, وَمِنْ شَرِّ مِنْ مَا خَلَقْ From the evil that He created. Broadly speaking here, the issue is etiquette with Allah and speaking about Allah in the right way. When you say about Allah, the creator of everything, it's clear that that includes good and evil. And there is only one God. There are not a God of good and a God of bad. There is only one God. Allah created everything. But when you say about Allah, the creator of evil, it appears that you are not saying that Allah created good and that you're being rude and not speaking about Allah in an inappropriate way. And for that reason, we, the Prophet said, We don't attribute evil to you. That's one reason. Is that it's bad etiquette. It's so adab ma'allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's bad etiquette with Allah that you say shar, the creator of evil. Because it, it doesn't give Allah his right. When you say kulli shay, the creator of everything, you give Allah his right. But when you said creator of evil, it didn't, you didn't give Allah his right. And you didn't give a balance. The other reason is, so we said one reason is that it's bad etiquette with Allah The other reason is Allah does not create evil for evil's sake. Allah didn't create evil for a joke. Do you think we created you just for a joke, just for a game? You were not created for a joke or a game. Everything that Allah created was for a wisdom. Infinite wisdom. Everything that Allah created was created for an infinite, perfect wisdom that is with Him. So when you say the creator of evil, it's like you took that wisdom away. It's like you indicated that Allah just created evil just for the sake of it. Or if we're going to have good, let's have evil. Every single evil thing that exists, exists because of a wisdom that is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, who is the sabab of that evil? Who is the cause of that evil? Allah is the creator of everything, but who is the one who is causing it and who is the one bringing it about? <coughs> By your own hands. So that evil is not coming because Allah is not merciful. It's coming because of you and me. And everyone else, what we are doing, we're bringing that evil about upon ourselves. Allah is the creator of everything, but we're bringing that evil upon ourselves. So there's three reasons why we don't say creator of evil like that without giving a balance. We say that Allah is the creator of everything. But there's no doubt that when we say Allah is the creator of everything, that includes good and it includes evil, Allah is the creator of everything. But we want to have good etiquette with Allah. We want to speak about Allah in the best way. We don't want to uh, 
minimize or discount our own role in the evil that happens because it comes from our own hands and, and because of our own sins. And <coughs> we want to recognize the wisdom that exists in the creation of Allah Azza wa Jal in everything that Allah commands and everything that Allah creates. But otherwise, nothing escapes Allah's creation. And this answer, bi-idnillahi ta'ala, will help you a lot. Because when you speak to people in other religions or atheists and so on, they're very confused about this. They either end up saying there are two gods, a god of good and a god of darkness. Or they make Iblis the creator of evil. And they raise Iblis to be a khaliq, a creator, when there is no creator except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or then they say, Allah doesn't want good for Bani Adam. And they attribute evil to Allah. So as a Muslim, we have the best answer. First of all, Allah is the creator of everything. And nothing escapes Allah's creation and command. Allah only creates evil for a purpose and a wisdom that He subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And the cause of that evil comes from ourselves and our actions. And when you say this, all of the problem goes away. All of the problem goes away and people say, okay, now I understand. And then when you see evil, who do you turn to? You turn to the one who created everything. And you ask him to keep you safe from the evil that he created. When you mention that Allah created it here, what does it tell you? If Allah created it, Allah can destroy it. If Allah created it, Allah can keep you safe from it. If Allah created it, then it's nothing in the sight of Allah. Because it's makhluq in front of al-khaliq. And look how sad and how, how just horrible it is that people seek refuge in other people. There were men from the there were there were men among mankind that sought refuge. They didn't say a'udhu billah. They didn't say, A'udhu bi Rabbil Falaq. They said, A'udhu bi Sayyidil Wadi. We seek refuge with the jinn in the Wadi. What happened to them? All of the evil of those jinn came upon them, like Ikrimah, Rahimahullah Ta'ala said. And they got madness, and they got afflicted, and they got possessed, because they asked the jinn to keep them safe. Whereas if they asked the Lord of the jinn to keep them safe, when you ask Allah Azza wa Jal, nothing will harm you. So when you say min sharri ma khalaq, it gives you confidence and it reminds you that any evil that comes to you is makhluq, it's created in front of the khaliq, the creator, who if he wishes to destroy it, will destroy it. And if he wishes to keep you safe from it, then who better to keep you safe than the one who created it? 
And this theme is repeated in the Quran. Allah Azza wa Jal said in Surah, in Surah Ali Imran, إِنَّمَا ذَلِكُمُ الشَّيْطَانُ يُخَوِّفُ أَوْلِيَاءَ فَلَا تَخَافُوهُمْ وَخَافُونِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ This is only the shaitan who makes you scared of his allies. Don't be scared of them, but be scared of me. Be scared of Allah. If you make your fear of Allah, of the Khaliq, you will not be scared of the makhluk, of the creation. But if you become fearful of the makhluk, every little thing will scare you. You'll be scared of the dark and you'll be scared of everything that moves and every noise in the night and everything you'll become twitchy like that. Because when you're scared of a makhluk, every makhluk scares you. And when you're scared of the khaliq, there is no makhluk that scares you. That doesn't mean you don't have natural fears. You know, all of us have some things we don't like. But generally speaking, if you are scared of al-khaliq, of Rabbul Falaq, you will not be scared of the makhluqat. You'll not be scared of the darkness of the night because you know who created the darkness of the night. And we said that min ma khalaq covers everything which will come after. So now the question is, if it covers everything that will come after, what are the specific things mentioned afterwards? Because now Allah has mentioned Al-Aam, the general. Now he's going to mention Al-Khas, the specific things. So these specific things must be mentioned for a reason. Because we said that the Quran doesn't have any wasted words. Everything is there for a reason. The scholars differed over this reason. I'm going to give you a couple, two or, th or maybe three, two or three reasons why Allah mentioned the following things. Some of the scholars said he mentioned them because they are khafiya, they're hidden and they're hard to perceive because Allah mentioned the, the, the evil that comes with the darkness and Allah mentioned the evil of magic and the evil of jealousy and all of those evils can be tied together with a common theme which is al-khafa that they are hidden and difficult to perceive sihr is not like a you know bright orange color sparks that come out of somebody's wand you know that's just in the movies sihr doesn't really work like that it's something khafi it's hidden suddenly somebody came sick why did they become sick what's happened we don't know the doctor can't find anything it's something hidden Likewise, the evils that come in the darkness of the night from the shayateen and so on are evils that are hidden. You can't see them. They don't come in front of you that you can just say, okay, there's the evil I have to keep away. And likewise, the evil of jealousy isn't an evil that is easy to see. It's an evil that is hidden. And it comes from the soul of a person. So some of the scholars, they said, because of they are, they are all hidden. That's why Allah mentioned them. And we can also say that it's because of their importance. 
because they are all extremely important evils. It's as though they are from the roots of evil. And in fact, if you put Surah Al-Falaq and Surah Al-Nas together, you would gather together the root of every evil, every kind of evil. Because every kind of evil, from the evil of the darkness, from the evil of the magicians, from the evil of jealousy, from the evil of the jinn who whisper, and the men. You gathered every kind of evil. So it's said that they are the most important or the, you know, that they are like the heads or the, or the main points or from the most important and the most significant kinds of evil that a person can be touched with. And also, you can also mention and maybe this is related to the first one, maybe it's not a third category, maybe it's part of the first one, is that they are things that there is no worldly way to protect yourself from them. We're dealing with the evils of the ghaib, generally speaking. Maybe not exclusively, but generally speaking, we're dealing with the evils of the jinn and the shayateen and magic and jealousy and the evil eye and the jinn who whisper in your ears and your hearts. These are things, there is no worldly protection. There's no medicine. There's no doctor. There's no force field. There's no device you can plug into the wall that will protect you from these things. You can only be protected from them when you turn to Allah. That's the reality of every evil. Even the evils you think you can protect yourself against. The reality of them is you can only protect yourself when you turn to Allah. But these, we all, we all know straight away when we hear them that this is an evil, I have no protection against it without Allah Azza wa Jal. So perhaps that is a part of the reason because they are hidden, they are concealed. So those link in together. وَمِن شَرِّ غَاسِقٍ إِذَا وَقَبْ This refers to the evil of the darkness when it spreads. There are three times that I can find an evidence in, either in the scholars of tafsir or either in the sunnah that this could refer to. The most common one is that the scholars mention the evil of the dark night, the darkness of the night. Dhulmatul Layl, the darkness of the night. And there's no doubt the Prophet told us in an authentic hadith, and the wording escapes me from memory, but he, he told us that if you knew what I knew, you would not travel alone at night. The darkness of the night, it has, and in the darkness of the night, it has shurur, there are evils. Min al nas, from the jinn and from men. But also, let's not forget, there is an authentic hadith, more than one, about the evils that come out after sunset. 
The Prophet said, The shaitan spreads out at Maghrib, after Maghrib, the shaitan spreads out and snatches, afflicts people and, and snatches people. So here, we learn that, that at sunset, there is a particular evil that spreads. And that is the evil of the shayateen that spread out at sunset. So this also has a link to the ayah. And perhaps this is part of the hikmah of reading قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ وَقُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ and قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ three times after Salatul al-Maghrib. Also, and this one is a latifa, it's a bit of a... You won't find this one in many places, but wallahi, a brother told it to me and since he told it to me, from one of the mashayikh, and since he told it to me, wallahi, I believe it's, it's true, yani. And that is the evil of the night in which there is no moon, i.e. the night of the months in which there is no moon. The night of the month in which there is no moon. And this is a time that is very beloved to the magicians. And this is what some of the, some of the, the, the mashayikh who do, they perform ruqya and so on, they mention this as a tafsir. That from the evils, is the evil of the night, the moonless night. The night in the month in which the moon doesn't show. But the ayah is more general than that. All of the darknesses. And that evil is not only the jinn and the shayateen. It's also an evil of, yani from, from mankind, People are more vulnerable at night. We know that. You know, every, at the end of the day, it is a, something that we ask Allah's comprehensive protection from all of the evils that come in the darkness. Be it from the jinn, be it from the men, be it from the shayateen that spread at Maghrib, or from anything else at any other time. وَمِن And nafth is to blow without spitting. Is to blow, to blow without spitting. And a nafathat are the women who blow. And they blow fil'uqad onto knots. This is one of the types of magic. And it's not the only type of magic and it's not only done by women. But because it is one of the most famous and because it is like a... Uh, it draws your attention to all of the types of magic. Because al-nafathati fil-uqad is one of the most common things that magicians do is to blow on the knots. So what they do is in the string, they tie the string and then they, they blow on the, on the knot and they mention the names of the shayateen over the knot to perform magic upon people. Again here it mentions the women 
But in the, in the story of the magic that was done to the Prophet Sallallahu it was done by Labid ibn al-A'sam, who was a man. We don't have any evidence that there was a woman involved in it. So also this is something that it's not specific, but it's something that was known. The women blowing on the knots was known as one of the methods of magic. And even until today, you rarely find magic that doesn't have knots in it. But it's not the only kind of magic and it's not only done by, by women. So it spreads to all kinds of magic. All evils that are related to, that are related to magic. And magic, as we know, is something which is sababun khafi. It is a cause which is hidden from the eyes. In which the magician makes a contract or an agreement with the jinn and the shaitan in order to worship or facilitate the worship of other than Allah and to sacrifice to other than Allah and to disobey and disbelieve in Allah in return for the jinn to do certain actions for them. And this one of the most common ways this was done is by the tying of knots and blowing the names of the shayateen over the knots. وَمِن شَرِّ حَاسِدٍ إِذَا حَسَدٍ From the evil of the jealous person or the envious person. Alhamdulillah. يَأْتِيكُمُ اللَّهُ يَسْلِحُ بَالَكُمْ And from the evil of the envious person when they are envious. Here we have to ask ourselves, because all of us have heard of Al-Ain, the evil eye. But why did Allah Azza wa Jal not mention the evil eye? Why mention the Hasid? What, what's the difference between them? Because there is a difference between the two. The word for the one who gives the evil eye is Ain. So why not Wamin Sharri? If this person from the evil of the evil of the evil eye. There are two reasons for this. First of all, that jealousy may be from the evil eye and it may not relate to the evil eye. So this ayah includes both. It includes jealousy that came from the evil eye. And it includes jealousy that didn't come from the evil eye. In reality, the evil eye is like a person or is a person who when they are jealous or amazed with someone, instead of the normal jealousy that, that happens, which usually hurts the jealous person, and doesn't hurt the one that's being jealous, that's, that the person is jealous of. Physical and real things happen to the person they are jealous of. For example, they might be jealous of a person's hair. Normally, if a normal person is jealous of someone's hair, nothing happens, but it causes ill feeling between people and it causes evil for the person who is jealous and it, it causes, you know, it causes problems for everybody. But when the person who has evil eye is jealous, 
Maybe the person's hair will fall out. Maybe they will collapse. Maybe they'll go into a coma and not wake up again. And this is it, it, something physical, something real happens, like an arrow that came from the soul of the person who, who had that jealousy or that amazement, and it struck the person who they were jealous of or amazed or amazed with. And of course, if the person is protecting themselves, including with the surah, then this jealousy will not, uh, will not hurt them, insha'Allah ta'ala. But jealousy is more than that. It's more than just the evil eye. Jealousy breaks up families. Jealousy causes people not to speak to each other. Jealousy causes people to reject Qadr. And this is one of the great benefits of believing in Allah's Qadr. And when we studied uh, Al-Qadr wal-Qada, one of the great benefits that wallah, I wrote from the Shaykh in the believing in Qadr, one of the many benefits, is that it protects you from jealousy. Because once you realize that Allah has given you what is right for you, and Allah has given this other person what is right for them, then you don't feel any desire to have what someone else has, except in a positive way. Like the Prophet ﷺ said, there is no hasad, la hasada, illa fitnatayn, except in two things. One is the person who has wealth and gives it in sadaqah, and one is the person who has knowledge, uh, and one is the person who has hikmah, has wisdom and judges with it, and he has knowledge and judges with it. So if this is the case, that doesn't mean that you have uh, jealousy of them, you want them to lose what they have. Because that's the, ba that's the basis of jealousy. The essence of jealousy is you want the other person to lose that blessing and for you to have it instead. But it means that you hope to have similar to what they have so that you can do similar to what they do. And even that hoping and wishing is not allowed except in two things. Wealth that is given in charity, not wealth alone. So you're not allowed to be jealous of someone who is wealthy, full stop. But you can wish to be someone who is wealthy and gives charity, spends it in charity. And it's also not allowed for you to just be jealous of, or to you, for you to wish for having knowledge. But to have knowledge that is acted upon and that you judge with it and rule with it and act upon it and use it for the, to benefit the people, this is the knowledge that you can wish for. But when you wish for it, you don't wish for the other person to lose it. You only say, I wish that I had that. And that's the only two things that you're allowed to say that I wish I had that. Let alone jealousy where you wish for someone to lose what they have. Jealousy only comes from the heart of a person who is sick. Heart of a person who is unwell. Because jealousy is a sickness of the heart. And as we said, it afflicts people in a more broader scope than just the evil eye. We said that it breaks up families, it causes people to split from each other, it causes people to hate each other. 
and it breaks up brotherhood and sisterhood in Islam because so-and-so is jealous of so-and-so and so-and-so is jealous of so-and-so and they try to undermine each other and make problems for each other. That is excluding Ayn. When you bring Ayn into it, it becomes even worse. So this ayah covers all of the, that evil, whether it is the evil of the Hasid who doesn't give Ayn but still breaks up families and friendships and destroys brotherhood and, uh, this, or, and, and contradicts proper belief in Qadr or the evil of the one who gives the evil eye, all of it is covered. And there's no doubt that even when you look at magic, which was mentioned in the previous ayah, that the cause of much magic is jealousy. Some family member is jealous of another one, so they go to the magician and they ask them, make it so their marriage breaks apart. They only did this because of jealousy and hatred. And so again, these two are connected to one another as well. So if you see the way the ayah is so general and so comprehensive, that it covers everything. Qul a'udhu bi rabbin nas. Again, now we have again, a'udhu. I seek refuge, protection, safety from the Lord of mankind. The Lord of all of the men. And Allah is Rabbul Alameen, as we said. The Lord of all of the worlds, the world of the men, the world of the angels, the world of the jinn the world of the animals, the world of the seen and the world of the unseen. Allah Azza is the Rabb of all of them. Rabbul Alameen. Qul a'udhu bi Rabbin nas, Malikin nas. We mentioned that Al-Malik is one of the names of Allah Azza because it's mentioned at the end of Surah Al-Hashr, right? Hu Allahu alladhi la ilaha illa hu. Al-Malik Al-Quddus Salam to the end of the ayah. So Al-Malik is one of the names of Allah Azza wa Jal. And we've already explained Al-Malik in Surah Al-Fatiha when we said Maliki Yawmiddin and Maliki Yawmiddin that Malik refers to the sovereign. You could say the king but I think the word sovereign is more appropriate for Allah Azza wa Jal but for the kids so they understand like the word king. Maliki Nas, the sovereign of mankind. And the ilah is al-ma'bud, the one who is worshipped. And Allah Azza wa Jal is the only one that is worshipped in truth. And everything that is worshipped besides Allah is worshipped in falsehood. Some of mankind recognize that Allah is their ilah and some of them reject it. But ultimately, none can escape it. He is the one that is worshipped in the heavens and worshipped on the earth. And worshipping Allah is what will bring you safety and protection. If you think about these three, each one of them gives you a sense of safety and protection within the surah. Rabbun Nas, the Lord of mankind. How can anyone from mankind hurt me or harm me when I have the protection 
of the Lord of mankind, the Sayyid of mankind, the Khaliq of mankind, the creator of mankind, the Ilah, the object of worship, the God of mankind. How can anything harm you when you sought refuge with the Lord of mankind? Malikin Nas, that ultimately Allah Azza wa Jal owns them. They are nothing except slaves. The angels, the jinn, the men are nothing but slaves of Allah Azza wa Jal. Either they are Allah's believing slaves, like the angels and the believers among the men and the jinn, or they are disbelieving slaves like the disbelievers among the jinn and the men. But ultimately, every one of them is an abd. Every one of them will come to Allah Azza wa Jal, will come to Ar-Rahman, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Abada as a slave. Allah Azza wa Jal owns them and everything they have, they only have it because Allah Azza wa Jal gave it to them. Now you imagine being overpowered by a person, a tyrant, someone who uses their power and strength to subdue you and to overcome you. But how can they overcome you when even their power and strength was given to them by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And Allah Azza wa Jal is the ilah, the only one deserving of worship, the only one deserving of you to seek refuge from Him. And this is like an introduction to the dua as well. You're asking Allah and you're also mentioning some of His names and attributes to get you nearer to Him. Min sharril waswasil khannas. From the evil of the whisperer. Al-waswas here from al-waswas or al-waswasa, the whispering. And al-khannas is the one who withdraws. So you can't, it's not tangible and you can't get hold of the shaitan and grab him like that. He's just, it's a whisper and then it's gone. It's very subtle because you don't usually in normal situations, you don't hear the whispering of the shaitan. And that's why Allah said, In the chests, sudur is the plural of sadr, the chest, in the chests of men. And he didn't say, in the ears of men. Because the waswasa of the shaitan is very subtle. It's not the one that you hear it in your ears loud and clear. Do this haram. It's something like it just comes into your heart like the shaitan came in and he just put it in your heart. And that's why the Prophet said, Inna shaytana yajri fibni adam majaraddam. The shaitan flows through the children of Adam in the way that the blood flows. Fi sudurin nas inside your chest. And that tells you the subtlety of that whispering and how you can't, it's not tangible, you can't get hold of it. It's khannas, he came and he went. You can't grab a hold of it and say, stop saying these things to me. 
You can only seek refuge with Allah, the Lord of mankind, the sovereign of mankind, the one who is worshipped in truth among mankind to protect you from those whisperings that are part of your test and your trial. And here Allah alludes to the fact that there are shayateen among the men and among the jinn. And Allah mentions this in Surah Al-An'am. Allah said, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَا لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍّ عَدُوًّا شَيَاطِينَ الْإِنْسِ وَالْجِنِّ يُوحِي بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَى بَعْضٍ زُخْرُفَ الْقَوْلِ غُرُورًا وَلَوْ شَاءَ رَبُّكَ مَا فَعَلُوهُ فَذَرْهُمْ وَمَا يَفْتَرُونَ Allah said, In this way we made for every prophet enemies. Shayateen from the jinn and the men who reveal to each other, they whisper to each other. So here, the thing is not that the men are inside your chest whispering, but the shayateen from the men and the jinn, they help each other. And Allah mentioned this also. وَإِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ لَيُوحُونَ إِلَىٰ أَوْلِيَائِهِمْ لِيُجَادِلُوكُمْ The shaytan whispers to his friends among men so that those men come and argue with you and they debate with you and the shaytan whispers so they are whispering to each other so it's not just that you're dealing with the shaytan of the jinn who is like the blood that flows through your body and whispers right into your heart but you're also dealing with the men that are a part of that process and that support it and those people who are shayateen not because they are jinn but they are shayateen because they have crossed every boundary and they are far away from Allah and the truth because some of the scholars said the meaning of the word shaytan is the one who is far away al-ba'id the one who is far away. And he's far away from the truth, far away from worshipping Allah, far away from Islam. And who has crossed the boundary and gone over the limits in evil. And those exist among the jinn, where they are the, that is the, any, the, the most common, any, the shayateen, when we see the word shaitan, Without any explanation, the word shaitan means the jinn who are disbelievers, who are shayateen, the followers of Iblis. Do you take him and his offspring as allies instead of me when they are enemies to you? What a terrible exchange it is for the wrongdoers. But when Allah explains wider than that, the word shaitan can also be used for the men who exceed all bounds or the human beings that exceed all bounds. And Allah tells us that they cooperate with the jinn and the shayateen. And at the head of those people are the magicians. They are the head of the people that cooperate with the shayateen. But they're not the only ones. But they are at the, the, the head of all of the men that cooperate with the jinn. They are النفثات في العقد, the women who blow in the knots and the men who blow in the knots. 
So that's also linked. But in reality, it covers everything, every evil person from mankind and every man or woman who tries to deviate you from the truth in the way the shaitan does. And sometimes they might not be shayateen, but they try to deviate you or take you away from the truth the way that the shaitan does. So they resemble the shayateen from the jinn. Al-waswas al-khannas The one who whispers and then goes and disappears And you have people like that Like call them friends, acquaintances People who they come and they just whisper in your ear To take you away from the path of Allah Azza wa Jal Knowingly or unknowingly And so you seek refuge with Allah Jalla fi ula From all of that in reality, whatever I've explained is only a part of the dimension because in reality, this surah covers every evil. So whichever kind of evil comes to you from the jinn or whichever kind of evil comes to you from the men, whether it is an evil of the paranormal, whether it's an evil of wiswas, whether it's an evil of any nature at all, you have asked Allah's protection from it. You've singled out the darkness which brings the spreading of the shayateen, the darkness which is used by the magicians, and the darkness which is used by the evil men who use that darkness to conceal their evil and to strike people in that time. You've asked Allah to protect you from magic and the people who perform it. You've asked Allah to protect you from jealousy and the evil eye. You've asked Allah to protect you from the whispering of the shaytan and from the men who cooperate with the shayateen and the women who cooperate with the shayateen in misguiding mankind. That covers every kind of evil. And so what we have to conclude with is we have to conclude by saying that we need to be constantly connected to these three surahs that we have learned over the last two lessons. We need to have them always on our tongue at the times which are distinguished within the sunnah. So from the times which are mentioned is the adhkar of as-sabah wal-masa after salatul fajr and after salatul asr that you say three times each one. Also the adhkar al-nawm, the, the adhkar before you go to sleep where you blow in your hands and you read those three and you wipe them over each over your body and from the times is after every prayer that you recite it one time after every prayer and obviously fajr and either asr or maghrib becomes three and likewise that you use them in ar-ruqya shar'iyya that you use them if a person is unwell, even if it's medical, a cold, a cough, a headache, that you blow over them with Surah Al-Fatiha and Surah Al-Ikhlas and Surah Al-Falaq and Surah Al-Nas as the Prophet and his companions عنهم, used to do. And there are probably other examples as well when you think about all of the examples in the sunnah where these three go together. But if you think about how they go together, how Surah Al-Ikhlas 
reminds you who Allah is. It's the description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Surah Al-Falaq and Surah Al-Nas in which you ask Allah whose description you have read in Surah Al-Ikhlas to protect you from all of these evils. And there's also a link between Surah Al-Ikhlas and Surah Al-Kafirun which we'll cover when we get to Surah Al-Kafirun inshallah. That's what Allah Azza wa Jal made easy for me to mention. And I know the time is getting on. I think inshallah ta'ala, like I said, I'm, I'm going to suggest, I can't say for you for definite, but I'm going to suggest to the, the guys who are running the program that if it's possible that we can release a video midweek um, where we just record the video and release it on the same channels and everything, maybe that way we can, we can cover a little bit more content so that you don't end up with an exam asking you about Surah Al-Mulk and here is Muhammad Tim still telling you about Surah Al-Falaq and Surah Al-Nasir. But inshallah ta'ala, I hope it's been of benefit. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Wassalatu wassalamu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. There is one small, very small point I wanted to mention. Uh, from Surah, uh, surah Ali Imran, uh, in which the mother of Imran, uh, the mother of Maryam, the wife of Imran and the mother of Maryam, she said, وَإِنِّي عُؤِيذُهَا بِكَ وَذُرِّيَّتَهَا مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ This word عُؤِيذُ is the form of أَعُوذُ that you say when you say it for someone else. So for example, for, for me, about myself, I say أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ But if I want to say it for someone else, I say I ask Allah to give refuge to you. That's just an extra point of benefit that sometimes you want to say for your children that I ask Allah to give you refuge. So you can't say to your child, because means for me. But you say, I seek Allah's Refuge, I seek refuge with Allah for you from Mina Shaitanir Rajim, as the mother of Maryam she said, and they said that's why Maryam, when she was born, she did not cry because the Shaitan did not poke her because her mother said, And Allah is the general's best. Jazakumullah khairan for watching. Please subscribe, share, and you can visit muhammadtim.com.